here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Roundtable. I'm Arnold Furious, and with me is Olive Court. Hello. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a chat today about uh, the big York Hall show from uh, Red Pro, High Stakes, and also the uh, Progress show that was the week previous, uh, Chapter 42. Uh, we're going to do Red Pro first, um, so kind of, yeah, get, get ready for the Progress one later. We'll do all the uh, respective chatter about both promotions, like, separately. Um... So, high stakes. Uh, you've seen it on uh, VOD. I have, yeah. yeah. Um, I thought the production's gone up a bit in quality. Um, I, I thought that. Be putting more, more stock into it. But somebody else said um, they're having issues with uh, audio or uh, something. I, I forget who. I thought the audio had improved slightly. Like you could actually hear the theme music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I thought that, but. Um... I, I don't know, but yeah, it seemed fine to me. It might have been just the the equipment they were using, but um, yeah, it looked um, the VOD looked a lot crisper than usual, um, and but there was little uh, improvements made, uh, kind of all over the place, from the removal of the uh, ring post pennants, which all, all the balcony guys will tell you are just a pain in the fucking uh, ass. That is that is the best production movie yeah. made ever. <laughs> but like from from that to recording yeah. all, all new music for for their guys to um the change of logo which I'm not overly keen on but it, it kind of gives it part of the uh, overhaul as part of the image it just look, looks new. Um, and also just less camera cuts which I think was an issue for some people getting motion sickness almost from like the constant camera cuts I don't know um, if it's because they, they put it out so quickly but it's like they can't do a lot of fancy editing which I'd prefer yeah uh, it, it's shot more like a New Japan event now like there's more usage of a hard cam um, longer shots it, it feels like an easier way of watching it rather than like a Jason Bourne film where just the camera's flying everywhere. That, that one guy who uh, does camera at ringside, he is obsessed with doing little camera moves, and it's <laughs> I just wish he wouldn't. Yeah. Um, and like the 
uh, the details were uh, in this um, like new product they were presenting were, were down to uh, even the way Andy Crawdon was dressed because he came out with a waistcoat on. <laughs> this is the waistcoat era. Of yeah, yeah. It's the, the year of the waistcoat. <laughs> um, and they started off with uh, an interim championship being on, on the line. I, I like generally the way RevPro presents um, their product more as a sport um and using things like um well not overt ranking systems but like guys who win their matches move up the card and guys who lose go down and meet the guys who won further down the card it makes more sense like that um but taking a leaf out of ufc's book of yeah doing so many interim champions and like you don't know who's the champion in a particular weight division. Not a big fan of that. <laughs> if you can avoid that at all possible. I could have um, just had this as a, like a number one contenders match. That would have worked yeah, fine I'm for me. I'm not sure why they didn't do that, really. Uh, I guess they wanted someone winning a belt, but it just kind of devalues the belt in a way. Yeah, I, I wasn't keen on it. It kind of just looked like the belt as well. <laughs> um, so the, the interim... British Cruiserweight Championship was um, uh, a match between Josh Bodum and Ryan Smile. Um, solid match. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one. This is a great way to open the show. Um, very fast paced, like 13 minutes or so of just like never slowing down. Um, and that was what I wanted, really. Um, and I like it never really got bogged down in like face or heel work. Obviously, Bowden was like mugging it up and getting heat, but in essence, it was just a competition and two guys flying around the ring trying to put the other one down for as long as possible. Um, yeah, Bowden yeah, uh, was start. definitely working the heel in this in this match, but um, the moves that he's now using have, have um, developed, like his uh, his move set has changed. Um, and it's gone from little uh, subtle things to like actual big dives and stuff. He, he's yeah. deliberately working on like a, a better repertoire for himself. And obviously, he spent a lot more time in the gym because he's looking uh, quite large. That's <laughs> uh, good. It shows that um, he's trying to improve himself as a wrestler. Um, his opponent, Ryan Smile, this is his first match, first singles match, even in New York Hall. And very happy for him he, he's deserved this sort of stage and this opportunity for a while now and i was kind of hoping he would get the win here because you can always rehab josh Bowden pretty easily like he's very well established in rough pro yeah whereas smile i think needed a victory under his belt to really like cement himself and we said that when he lost um to mccluskey and um bruce last year in the tag match with uh justin gabriel but it doesn't feel like he's been presented as a, as a big deal, which is unfortunate. No. So he's been but around he kind for quite of is a long on, time. Yeah, he kind of is on the cockpit shows, but when he gets to the York Hall, he just loses. And it's a bit, I think he needs a big win to really establish him in that Rev Pro hierarchy. Yeah, I would have said so. Um, either that or just a, like a run of matches against like top guys, to that would also establish him. If you kind and of also, we know he's amazing against Will Ospreay, so that would have been a much more interesting match than Bodom Ospreay, which we're yeah. going to get, and we've seen that before. It kind of feels like we're going back in time, but um, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. With both of them having advanced their careers along a couple of years, but I assume the eventual goal will be to get Osprey and Smile against each other. Just they don't want to give it away 
too soon, but I just worry that Smile won't be considered important enough to get that match later on if he doesn't get a big win sooner or later. Yeah, I think he's going to get that crowd support based on the way that he wrestles, so hopefully (laughs) he wrestles like a madman. I wouldn't mind seeing him against uh, Hiromu Takahashi in April. That's probably a good shout. Oh I'm no, sure. he couldn't win. He couldn't win that one either. So. <laughs> no, no, no chance. Uh, I know they booked um, uh, Saber and Kushida. Oh, that, <laughs> that should be tasty. That 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 whole weekend epic encounter in the Fight Club Pro shows is going to be tasty. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm probably working for most of it. I've, um, mm. I, I've yet to consider buying a ticket for any of those shows, but we shall see. I wasn't supposed to be at high stakes, but, you know. <laughs> Next match, um, Redman and Charlie Sterling. Uh-huh. <laughs> the first outing for Sterling. Garrett. <laughs> um, at York Hall versus War Machine, uh, who are probably not long for the indie world, so it's great to see them while they're still around. Yeah, there's... Um... If you saw War Machine in, in progress uh, with the matches against London Riots, this felt like they were taking it a lot easier compared to the, those matches. And there is a feeling that they've they've done enough to establish themselves as a, as a top team, so now people will just chant for them anyway. So they don't need yeah. to do... They don't need to kill themselves. I still really enjoyed this match, though. Um, oh, yeah. Much yeah, like the first good. match, it was pretty much go, go, go from the very start, and... Like there were big swings in momentum and lots of false finishes, which was good. Even I never really thought War Machine were going to win, obviously because they're not going to be around to defend the belts. But it's still a good win for Redman and Sterling. It's so weird to say Sterling. <laughs> um, it's a good win for them to just establish them as the tag team champions because they've kind of been anonymous as champions since they won it. Yeah, uh, they, kind of, they kind of saved the division though, didn't they? Because it, it, was <laughs> it wasn't there. Was, there was never a good tag match on these shows, and having them as champions has changed that. Definitely. So I think there's definite credit uh, for those guys for doing what they're doing. Uh, I think Sterling was really good in this match. Mm-hmm. Normally, uh, I'm impressed by Joel Redman, but like Charlie Sterling did an awful lot of. Uh, of hard work, especially towards the end, in, in making it a realistic win for, for the champs. Yeah, all four of these guys don't wrestle the way they look. Like, <laughs> they're much more athletic and agile than they look, and that definitely came across here. And like you said, it's it's always a little bit difficult to beat War Machine convincingly, because they're so much bigger than their opponents usually, um, and it looks a little weird if they're losing, but I thought this match made a lot of sense. Like, they worked the size differences very well, and like they kind of shoved War Machine out of the ring a lot, which I liked. Like that's how they beat them; they isolated them. Yeah, uh, solid match. I enjoyed it. Um, after the match, you had um, Chris Brooks and Travis Banks, who are being dubbed as as CCK um, here, uh, even though that's not really the team because uh, it's normally Brooks and Kid Lycos. Uh, I think Brooks just Brooks just goes wherever he goes. CCK goes with him. Yeah, because it was originally him and um, uh, uh, Jonathan Gresham. That was like the original yeah, yeah. CCK, but then he didn't get booked in the same places as him. So 
that change. But if, if Chris Brooks is not in the tag team, and if it's a Banks Lycos tag team, then it is not CCK, according to the man himself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good to know. Um, yeah, so they come out and, uh, and attack the tag champs, but what did you think of the crowd here? Because like, all through the match, they were booing uh, the champs who, who had done nothing to deserve it. They weren't working heel in any way. Mm-hmm. And then they're attacked post-match by a team that is are very definitively heel. And that team is cheered. Which I thought was very I strange. It's, it's because Brooks and Banks are well-liked, I guess. and Just because they're new? <laughs> possibly. Uh, but, like, they have the sort of gimmicks that are over with the fans, <laughs> regardless of whether they're face or heel. And, yeah, like, I guess no one really expected them to be there. So I can see why they got cheered. And I can see why um, Redman and Garrett Sterling <laughs> got got booed. Gary because Sterling. The, Gary Sterling. They, they were playing up the, um, like, the pretty boy versus uh, barbarian Viking men in the match itself. Um, so I can kind of see it. I don't think that was being too weird by the crowd I'll, I'll have a pop at the crowd later on and you know which match I'm going to talk about on that I honestly it could be any of them <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> I don't know I, I didn't feel like the crowd I because I heard had heard reports that the crowd was diabolical and evil and bigoted and uh, I don't know if it really came across like that but um there was one match in particular where I thought fucking hell take your hands off take your hands off your bum and fucking make some noise yeah, I think I know which one you mean. Well, that could be one of two, actually. But uh, um, Yeah, so potential there in the tag division for um, like at, at least one really good match um, between the, the incumbent champions and Brooks and Travis Banks. Really happy to see both those lads in, um, in Rev Pro as well. Yeah, uh, Travis Banks obviously Pro. debuting in the cockpit show uh, like two weeks beforehand, yeah. but Brooks is completely new. You can see that RevPro are um, stocking up on homegrown talents who do not have any uh, investments and contracts elsewhere yeah. so that they can actually use them, which I think will be a theme going forward for well, most ne- companies. Neither of these two guys uh, have the world of sport commitment or the, the WWE one, so it's, it's yeah. a smart move bringing them in. Both very talented lads. Definitely. Um, the next match was uh, Yoshihashi against uh, Pete Dunn. Um, Pete Dunn got a hell of a reaction, which um, uh, uh, it's warranted. I mean, <laughs> obviously yeah, the what? UK tournament was only a week before this, and he was the star of that. So, uh, yeah, I kind of agree with that. But then, um, um, someone on Twitter who I forget was making the argument that he he's a heel. He was a heel in WWE in their tournament. He has been a heel in Red Pro the entire time that he's been there. And he wrestled as a heel in this match and the crowd cheered for him. I I think you can cheer for heels and boo faces if you really want to. I'm not I'm not about this hardline definitive you must cheer for who we say you cheer for. Um It just seemed like a thing. strange thing to do. I mean like I I couldn't understand cheering him when he came out because I did. When he, when he came through the curtain, I was like, uh, it's really nice to see him 
congratulations on your success kind of kind of thing. But then yeah. when the match got underway, he was working very heel to try and okay, get that yeah, reaction yeah. slanted back the way he wanted it. During which the I'm match, completely I fine with that. They were very heavily pressing Yoshihashi as the sympathetic babyface, which of course that is the style that he works um, mm-hmm. pretty much exclusively. And Dunn was doing excellently as just like a cocky son of a bitch. Like there was a moment early in the match where he just like bites Yoshihashi's boot and yeah. he just lies there, just like the biggest cocky fucker I've ever seen. Um, cause like he's got the world at his feet and he doesn't really care anymore. Um, and just thinks Yoshihashi is beneath him. And I really enjoyed that. So yeah, I, I get that. But also, yeah. dueling chance, you know, it provides a little bit of a different atmosphere. I can see why people it like does, but It kind of felt like um, it was like that all night. Like the crowd were just wanting to cheer heels, which I I think that does create um, issues with the dynamics of the match, especially with a guy yeah, like Pete yeah. Dunn, who's very heel, who lives off the, the heat. Um what can he do? What more could he have done to uh, to be like booed in this match? <laughs> but then I also understand how Dunn could come across as like cool and awesome to a certain like people fans, and they would want to cheer for that. And maybe they don't know Yoshihashi or don't. I don't, you know, like, I, I'm, well. not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna police chanting. Like, no, I it's that. just the I just thought it was weird. But then, um, yeah, for the dynamics of the match, you got Yoshi Yoshihashi, and I, I was sad that he didn't get a bigger reaction. Um, yeah, yeah, against yeah. Um, like Pete, who's like a that's the way he works. He's he is a he is what he is. I do get what you mean, and I I, I thought this match it started a bit slowly. Uh, really picked up towards the end, though. Like there was some real like oh, venom yeah. and. I was. Um... It was a really good match, but it could have been a better match if it, if they'd been able to feed off the crowd, which they couldn't. They just had to just carry on doing their thing and hope for the best. Yeah, I do know what you mean. Like Yoshihashi in New Japan, like he gets those rallies from the crowd. Yeah, and his best matches have been when like again in the Sonata tag match when he tapped out Sonata. Yeah, when like, he's getting that big crowd support. That, he's that's just getting he's absolutely best. beaten up and he comes back with the rally. And yeah, that that wasn't really here. So I do know what you mean, but at the same time, I'm not gonna stop people from cheering Pete Dunn. I mean we did that at Progress not a couple of months ago. So <laughs> Yeah, this this is true. We kind of cheered the outcome as opposed to like chanting for him while he was being a complete shit, which is what was happening here. It just, they had no chance of telling uh, like a really great story. Yeah. Based on that. Whereas I think if, if you get like a real big crowd support going for Yoshihashi, you get a lot of heat on Pete Dunn. And I think it's a better match because you, you can then have Yoshihashi getting those, those rallies, those comebacks, and it means more and it's more important. So yeah, just for me, it's like it, this is a very good match. I went, I went three and a half on it, but it could easily have gone up to like four territory with the right reactions. I don't mean right as in like a you are wrong to chant this, but like right as in like <laughs> cheer the face, boo the heel. That is what could have improved this match. Okay. <laughs> Whereas the next match, because uh, we're moving on to uh, the big uh, Saber Junior. Marty Skull match. 
in this match, they were both kind of working in like that gray area where it was just their their yeah. character as opposed to their like alignment, and the crowd just cheered for who they wanted, and that worked perfectly. And the atmosphere in this match was electric. Well, I mean, that's the story that they've been building for a whole year is that neither of them are particularly good guys. They both have issues with each other and long-standing ones at that, and they thought they could overcome them and have fun together, but ultimately it pushed them further apart, and I thought it's been an excellent, subtle story they've been building for the whole year. The only bad aspect of it was obviously that uh, Skull never cashed in his number one contendership. Um, that would have made more sense. Ignoring that, this has been <laughs> a very well-told story, and... I'd, it made this match so much richer I in like depth and emotion. I would have slightly have preferred it if um, Zach had turned on Marty. If he'd have, if he'd have turned on Marty, and that would have made sense because like Skrull never cashed in, and then attacked Saber after he's lost the title. That really didn't make any sense. If he did attack him while he had it, it would have made sense. And having Zack turn on, on Marty after Sabre had lost the belt and Skrull hadn't helped him, that would have made sense. If you get what I mean. But yeah, I, yeah. there seems to be a bit of a hole in the <laughs> logic somewhere here. And like Skrull's reasoning is like, oh, I'm a villain. Yeah, you, you have <laughs> been the whole time. So well, why didn't you do it earlier? When yeah, you got yourself that, a title shot. There's definitely um, plot holes that you could poke. Um, but regards to how it has made me feel and like how well it prepared me for this match, I think it did the job yeah. very uh, well. Like no one, no one's going to remember the finicky points of this story. They're going to remember like what it made them feel. I guess. I think the long game here is that Sabi gets the belt back and then Skull finally cashes in his ah, his title yeah. shot. It may not be over just yet. Yeah, because we're we're looking. We're not. I don't think this is like the end of this story. I think it's far from it. It was a very good match. I love the psychology like throughout the match, uh, especially um, the way Skrull's working the fingers um, based on the whole like finger snap thing and trying to uh, go after arm bars to, to beat Sabre with his own move. Mm -hmm. um, it, it all made sense in the idea that they were trying to one-up each other like all the way through it was like oh you're doing that well I'm, I'm gonna steal your move as well <laughs> and see how you like it and the countering was sensational the the finger spot where um saber jr took so much punishment to his fingers that he decided to go find some rap and like tape up his fingers that was excellent it felt really like off the chain at that point like this had become not a wrestling match this had just become like a fight and a brawl to prove who was better and like they were sort of going maverick on the outside and Skull ripped off um, the cord on the ring, which is a spot he did in progress against Tommaso Ciampa, which I uh, really didn't like. But I thought... That didn't make any context, sense in that match, though. That... Yeah, in this context, I thought it um, made a lot more sense, especially after Sabre Jr. had gone for the, like, the tape to tape up his fingers. That felt like NGS3, the bit where um, Snake has to fucking tape all his body back together after he gets thrown off the bridge. It reminded me of that and <laughs> like um, how visceral the, it all was. He did the bungee cord spot and then after that he taped his fingers. Yeah. Uh, then he did the finger snap after he taped his fingers up, which <laughs> um, that was pretty evil. 
It all just felt very personal and very violent. <laughs> like, yeah. this wasn't a friendly match. I, I heard someone on Twitter say that they should have started, like, Fry Takiyama and, like, not done a wrestling match. But I thought that they wanted to, one, like you say, one-up each other yeah. and prove that they were better than each other. Well, that might, and I don't that think you do that just by punching each other for 40 minutes. I, th I think they wanted to show off and prove that they were better. I did and hear then... that on the night as well, that uh, people figured it, it, because it was a blood feud, that they should start fast. But um, given that it was a 40-minute match and the, <laughs> the way that it built up, I, I don't really agree. Uh, the only uh, I had a couple of issues with the uh, like the ending of the match. Um, the the whole thing of Roberts not calling for a DQ uh, when he uh, skills using the bungee to oh, yeah. that didn't make sense. Then they had a ref bump afterwards, which didn't really uh, have any purpose. <laughs> if they'd have had the ref bump before the bungee spot, that would have been fine. Yeah, that would have been completely fine. Um. But then they uh, they went ahead and had uh, the ref bump to get in like an umbrella spot, which I really enjoyed because he's uh, he used the umbrella to break a, a hold, so that yeah, kind yeah. of made sense. Um, but yeah, the doing one spot uh, and there being no DQ, and then going to the other spot with the ref down, it's like well, either do one or do the other. Uh, although I probably could have done without there being two ref bumps. <laughs> I think one was uh, more than enough. Yeah, also, I definitely got that and thought that was weird. I had a slight issue with the um, uh, skill going from uh, like working the fingers to just hitting a load of pile drivers, and they're really savage pile drivers. Yeah, I don't like it when people hit multiple pile drivers and then kick out. Yeah, there was mm. three and then he kicked. And um, it's a little bit indirific when people kick out of multiple pile drivers. But I could have done without that, to be honest. They were if they were going to do that that triple pile driver thing, then that should be the finish. Yeah, just end it there because it would have made sense. But no, so um, this could have been up there for like match of the year contention if it didn't have so many little niggling flaws. <laughs> But I, in a 40-minute match, uh, you're going to get niggling flaws. Um, Mizawa Kawai. And, and I thought, um, in general, it was a great match. <laughs> and yeah, I did. I thought it was great. Of, some of like the counters at the end were just crazy. Obviously, jump the jumping umbrella attack into the armbar was crazy. Um well, just all the arm, all the work around the armbar was very meaningful, and they got that over really well. Yeah, very strong match. Um, I don't have it top for my um, uh, Brit Rest match of the year. I preferred Ooh. the six man from the cockpit. Yeah, that's. I think that's fair. Because that match was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I still got. That I think I. I think I preferred this match just a little bit more because I had the emotional investment going in. Yeah, this is true, um, and it paid it off so well. Whereas the six man was just fucking crazy. It was the execution on it was I thought was pretty much flawless throughout. So um, yeah, yeah, that's the difference. Whereas here that there were just issues I thought with it that um, they just kind of just kept clawing away at my opinion of the match. <laughs> it was just like eh, I could have done without that. Yeah, and, yeah I get that. But um, yeah, for for a like a uh, like a big marquee match, it really did pay off. I enjoyed it a lot. 
watching this on VOD, I thought the uh, having two matches in the aftermath before the main event, those two matches didn't really have much of a chance they had because I was zero chance. <laughs> I was excited for the main event, obviously, and I was trying to come down from. The 40, 40 minutes is a long time for a yeah, wrestling match. You need a buffer match in there. It. And it yeah. would, I think uh, having Trent Seven and Trevor Lee, that would have probably been a fine buffer match because they didn't really do anything. And it was you know a bit of light-hearted uh, comedy stuff in there. That would have been fine as like a little buffer match. But then having uh, Martin Stone and Jay White come out after that, they had no chance. Yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, I thought Lee and Seven was very well placed as the buffer, but then having another match after that was a little bit too much, and uh, the crowd uh, no was not into the white, um, the white, <laughs> the, what's his name? <laughs> Edit all this out. The uh, white stone match. Yeah. I think they, it would have been better placed somewhere else. Because um, they Definitely. didn't do anything wrong, it was a fine match. But um, I, I thought it was a really good match, but the crowd didn't react to anything at no, all. No, it was just too nothing, flat. Like everyone was just focused on the main event, and it just felt out of place. Really, like no one really wanted to see that match. Whereas if it had been foot on first or second, then I think it would have gotten a much bigger reaction because I, I think the work on, was uh, pretty good. I think that's on Andy Key for just putting this in the wrong place, but um, these things happen. Yeah, you could have had five matches in the first half and two in the second, but... <laughs> That's easy to say in retrospect. He was probably thinking yeah, that, yeah. You know, the Trent will bring the crowd back up and then these guys will just go in the buffer spot and then main event. But it didn't happen like that. So do you have anything particular to say about either of those two matches or should we move on? Trevor Lee's not a very good dancer. <laughs> <laughs> when his gimmick is like a lot of dancing... Um... He has no shame. I was actually standing next to um, uh, in the crowd. I was uh, I was at the back because I, I bought a ticket um, that wasn't very good, just because I intended to stand up the whole time. So I was standing up, and the guy that was kind of on the end of the row that I was stood next to was um, uh, from North Carolina. So I got chatting to him at one point, and um, I was like, "So he, he like a friend of Trevor's?" And he went. Uh, uh, no, but I went to school with his, uh, what did he say, his sister? Or his, um, was telling me about his dad. Dad used to be in the business, work for the uh, working with the Hardys. So I got I got quite a lot of um, Southern Grap stuff out of him. And in return, I explained to him why Trent kept rubbing his crotch before doing that spot in the mm. corner. Because <laughs> uh, he didn't know what cricket was, basically. <laughs> so that was a fun little cultural exchange. <laughs> Everyone learns something from wrestling. It's always nice to learn things. Um, so yeah, that that match didn't really do an awful lot for me. Um, it was it was brief. Um, yeah, that was it. I really like Trent's music, but I just don't think it suits him. Yeah, it's good music. Yeah. Um, I think that's it kind of the sounds best. a bit like Seven Nation Army, I guess. It sounded very um, uh, epic. Like something really important was going to happen when he came out. I was just like, oh, what's <laughs> happening there? Well, I think Trent Seven is very important. So. <laughs> I know, I've just kind of got used to his um, entrance being a bit more, um, I don't know, free-spirited, maybe. <laughs> it just felt a bit too heavy for okay. him. But, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that was the best tune that they came up with for the 
Like I said, they don't you, you don't like Josh Bowden singing his own entrance music. Uh, it was okay. Um, I just personally my, my best entrance music moment of the uh, was um, uh, Jay White coming out to "Rock the Night" by Europe. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of that suits him so much because he he just he, he feels he's, like a throwback. He's got his jacket. He's got his white boots. He's yeah. not a young lion anymore. Uh, and he's he's kind of going with like a I am an eighties rocker gimmick, and I, I am yeah. absolutely fine with that. <laughs> it suits him. Uh, we're stalling as much as <laughs> those two matches were for the main event. Uh, yeah, Katsuyoshi yeah, Shibata versus lane. Matt Riddle, and this was a war, I would say. <laughs> yes. Um... Well, the, the crowd, as soon as they came out, like the crowd were all on their feet. And yeah. the atmosphere that it had was very much like a like a big fight atmosphere. And you just can't replicate that. You can't you can't buy that kind of atmosphere. It's it's earned. And Riddle's uh, reputation rapidly on the rise. Shibata has been a uh a like a, a not so much a big star, but a, such a huge presence in uh uh, New Japan matches, and he's really earned this this main event spot uh, for Rev Pro. Definitely. He's made it his own, the, the title. And the the combined skills that they had, I think we we're all aware that they, they both should click together quite well based on what they're capable of doing. The the former MMA background, uh, the, the striking, the suplexes. And the, I thought the first third of the match where they were just uh, transitioning from like one submission attempt to another and just chaining their way through that, I thought that was great stuff, like world beating stuff. Yeah, I thought um, obviously it was worked kind of like a shoot fight, um, yeah, thing going on, and <laughs> obviously both of their strengths play into that, and we got a hell of a match out of it. Um, Shibata, like you say, has really owned this um, Rev Pro British Championship. Um, like all his matches feel really important, and he feels like a major star coming out of it. And it might be almost like New Japan grooming him for uh, a potential star spot later down the line with with this run. And Matt Riddle has just owned being in Europe and the fans love him and he loves the fans and he's already one of the best imports ever I would say after just four matches he's he's kind of turned himself into a little bit of a cult figure um, Matt Riddle because of his willingness to uh, just go out drinking with the boys after the show so, um, <laughs> yeah. well, you, you kind of laugh but like the difference in support that he gets between other guys with that level of experience in the UK and experience in general is that's a huge difference and that's well, part definitely. of it it's because he, he responds to the fans and genuinely yeah. gives a shit about them. <laughs> and the fans respond to, to him in turn. To the fans. And it's not like he's not paying attention, like he's just hanging around and like signing autographs and, and, and shit. He walked into the um the Dundee Arms after after this show and came through the door, uh said hello to Kia, because like him and Kia are best mates. And then I was kind of stood like what where the entranceway was. And he turned around, looked straight at me, and went, "Hey, how you doing?" And like re reached across to shake my hand and stuff. So it's <laughs> like he remembers people, which is which is great, and that's why everyone loves him. 
and then he can go in the ring and tear shit up and yeah, yeah. have an amazing match with Shibata where they try and choke each other out um, well, very other, dramatically. There are other wrestlers who have that level of, of crowd support based on what they're willing to do outside of the ring, but the fact that he can back it up as well, is, yeah. it's the whole package. And you can see why he's so easy to, to love. He really is. He really is. Um, what was he going to say? <laughs> Was it about the match? <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to put everything together in my head. Yeah, I, my favorite. Come back to me. <laughs> my favorite part of the match was all the uh, the mat stuff at the start. I, I thought that was so good. Um, based on their experience, it was it was really easy for them to do that. Definitely. Um, they went on. They did some good striking stuff. Um, the back and forth on the big spots towards the end. I didn't think this was as good as the the start of the match, but. As a whole, it was it was a very strong match, very strong, and it, it felt really important. It felt like an event. Yeah, I like and... the the arc of the story as well, where it, it started off with with Shibata just looking at Riddle when he walked in, like, "Who the fuck are you? <laughs> you? You don't belong in the same ring as me." To having earned the respect, like Riddle wasn't upset that he lost, but he would have been upset if if Shibata had showed him no respect at the end. Yeah, but they had that handshake and the hug. And then it was like, okay, and you could hear him talking, so it was like they were having a conversation about respect, and uh, that that was great to see because it's it it shows the rest. They're trying to present it like it's a sport, and before the before the fight, the one guy doesn't respect the other guy. By the end of it, they respect each other. That's great. That's a great story. Definitely, I like it when the stories are predominantly told in the ring. Obviously, stuff outside of the ring influences that and can build the emotion, but it has to all pay off inside the ring in a match between two guys who want to win really badly, and that was conveyed very well here. Obviously, both guys brought baggage into this match, which influenced the emotion you felt during it, but the action, the desire to win is what came out of it, and at the end, when they're just sitting there talking to each other, y you felt that. And I appreciate that and the fact that Repro is putting matches like this on. I, I get Import versus Import isn't like loved by a lot of fans, but when it leads to stuff like that, and two guys who have made being an Import in the UK their own, like they feel like part of the scene in a way, like these two guys especially, um... I think it felt really special, like even just watching on DOD, and I'm sure it felt even more special live. Yeah, um, this is the main reason why I went to this show, and uh, <laughs> it did not disappoint me. So between and also, this... should... uh, sorry, yeah, sorry, between this and the the Saber Skill match, I think this show really did deliver. Definitely, Shibata has finally earned his MMA cred <laughs> by. <laughs> Tapping out <laughs> the UFC, Matt, UFC's Matt Riddle. <laughs> I noticed um, he, yeah. he didn't go for the pin after that because he, he did the um, uh, like the PK and then went for the sleeper. Or like he he didn't want to finish it with a with a pin. He wanted to get a tap out. Yeah, definitely. That was, was that was all about respect yeah. as well. So that was an excellent little point. Um, and yeah, like you said, the two big matches on this show really delivered. Um, I put four and a half stars on both of them. So that's three four and a half star matches from Rev Pro mm. in January. Yeah, I, Good I went, start to the year, I would say. I went four and a quarter on both of them, but I could have easily gone four and a half on either. So yeah, no, no argument with that. 
Um, the one uh, final thing uh, about this show was uh, Zack Sabre Jr. coming out after the main event, reminding Shibata that they're kind of one on one and they need a deciding third match. So sorry, Osprey, <laughs> you're losing at New Beginning. Uh, well, I think we knew that, didn't we? <laughs> Yeah, they're not yeah. going to have Shibata lose to a, to I, a junior I, in Japan. I thought with it's um, not happening. Chapping Chapin going on, it but seems maybe to, Osprey had a chance. For, but... From the people that live um, in Japan, that news just seems to have been completely swept under the carpet. Yeah. And nobody cares about it. <laughs> maybe it's because people like Shibata and they don't like Taichi. Uh, I, I guess. <laughs> <They'll give> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's, like, it's completely Taichi, you can fuck off for two months. No one's going to miss you. <laughs> yeah, longer, preferably. Yeah, so it is a bit weird. It's like a double standard, but um, yeah, nobody seems to care. So it goes on. <laughs> but yeah, I would be very surprised if Osprey won that match. Yeah. Very surprised. It, it, all roads seem to lead to Sabre versus Shibata at Sizzler. Two out of three falls, maybe. Oh, that would be interesting. Um, and then again, like, is that the end for Shibata then? Possibly. Possibly. I don't know. <laughs> you never know. They, but, might, they might have another swerve up their sleeve. I wouldn't put anything past Road Pro this year. The way they've started, like, for the, the first month of the year, they, they've started that so well mm. that, yeah, I, I have no idea what they've got planned, but it's probably good. Yeah, I was a bit down on Rev Pro last year. Um, I thought they were maybe treading water a little bit, and obviously the Vader stuff um, was not to my tastes at all. But they seem to—they have won me back definitely um, with this month and the moves they're making to try and improve and making it more sports oriented, like dropping the silliness from their main shows. Oh yeah, and making I mean, like Shah's disappeared, hasn't he? And and yeah. Gideon Gray was on commentary for the cockpit, which. Um, I thought he did a pretty good job of. Um, that's that's a good role for him. I think every, was every match, every match on the show was like one on one, except for the tag team match, which was two on two. Like it feels very straightforward, no messing around. Yeah, no, great that's matches, no, no frills booking. Yeah, and that's kind of what I want out of my wrestling right now. I'm kind of like, we'll talk about progress in a minute, and I'm kind of done with some of the stories or bad stories that they're telling <laughs> and just like convoluted wait for the other shoe to drop booking I'm kind of done with that for now I would prefer just to watch some matches and watch some wrestling and have some fun yeah that's fair although um, when it comes to uh, the, the live experience I think Rev Pro has some work to do um, there's the atmosphere in your call is, is often weird. You know, certain things have to happen before like you get the crowd to, to, to fully go. And it's like they're kind of pulling in support from a lot of different fan bases that, that their number one promotion would be somewhere else, but they love Rev Pro as well because of the matches that they put on, if you get what I mean. I, I think we definitely need to talk about um, this because a lot of the buzz coming out of High Stakes was about the crowd and yeah. very negative feelings towards it. People thinking that the crowd was not loud enough or made weird comments or were just, yeah, like you say, just a general feeling of weirdness around it. Um, like, I obviously I wasn't there, so I can't really comment too much on it. And it didn't come across on the OD except for the Jay White Martin Stone match which felt 
like nobody wanted to make any noise and the wrestlers were trying awkwardly hard to make people make any noise. So that was a little weird. Obviously, you were there, but like, did you notice anything specific that would make people feel that this crowd was a bad crowd? Or what could I, be done to improve that? I wouldn't go as, as to call it a, a bad crowd. It's just because they, they have so many different backgrounds. Um, you, you have kids there. You have people who go there expecting a, like a whole PG experience. You have people who go there that predominantly go to Progress, and this is like another promotion that they'll also go to. And kind of everything in between. So you're going to get... Um, uh, th- there was a group for, from Progress that I, I know. I'm not going to name any of them, but you know you know who they are. Uh, and they were up on the balcony making a lot of noise. And for me, that's what kind of set a lot of the uh, atmosphere going in a, in a more positive direction because they were making noise. If the crowd didn't agree with that noise, they would kind of chant the opposite back at them. And that's how things got started. Um, but then there were other times where it's just that there was a lot of crowd strangeness where there were groups of, of, of fans chanting for things that I'm just looking at and going like, I don't really understand why you're supporting this person or, or are opposed to them. It didn't make any sense to me. And you have a weird makeup on the Red Pro crowds. Especially I do not know what you mean by the weird makeup. Um... I, I would generally say that the majority of the audience is the same audience anywhere. So obviously Progress and Rev Pro both run London. Um, and you can probably mix IPW into that as well, um, doing Surrey and Kent. And all those shows probably have the same majority of fans going to every show. But obviously Progress, the way Jim Smallman like, MCs those shows, it's very like um, after-school club kind of vibe, like, come on guys, let's do this thing together. Uh-huh. Whereas um, RevPro present it, straight sports, like, let's have a match. This match is happening. And obviously that changes the crowd a little bit. Um, and I would say that's probably the main reason why there's differences in the way people respond to the matches. And just generally the way Brit Rest fans approach matches. It's, the, it's an interesting phenomenon. It's never really come out as much as it has after high stakes. I don't know why high stakes was particularly weird, but... I think it's just because um, the sheer volume of, of progress, uh, like the ultras that were um, gathered together in one place, it meant that they were a lot louder than usual, and they, their chants was, were really, like, uh, uh, kicking off, and, like, when the crowd liked what they was they were singing, the whole crowd was singing it, and it it really amplified the, the atmosphere in the in the building. Whereas um, when the crowd in general disagreed with them, you kind of ended up with with fights, but like in a good mm. way. But you had certain individuals that were also in the crowd who openly disliked what was going on. And I don't know if it's some of the language that was being used or just the, the sheer like uh, ferocity of the uh, of the support, but it was just like they just thought it was too much. Because the last thing you want is a crowd police or like elitism between promotions. Like, oh, our fans are better than your fans. Someone uh, on like the Rev Pro fans group on Facebook had typed something along the lines. Was it, was it there or was it on another forum? I can't remember. But it, um, they 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 actually written "fuck off" back to progress. 
And it's like, well, we're all fans, you know? It's just... <laughs> Everyone goes to basically the same shows anyway. I, I find it odd that you can be just a progress fan or just a Rev Pro fan. Like, but be a wrestling are, fan first and foremost. There are people that are just really into their promotion and kind of prefer it to the others. So, I mean, and I've heard arguments from both sides from people saying, oh, I wouldn't go to Progress, you can't see, or I wouldn't go to Rev Pro, I don't like the crowd. Yeah. So, oh, I, I, weird. I have niggles with both promotions <laughs> um, and, like, the live atmosphere there. Um, and I can see why those niggles could eventually boil over into, no, I'm not going anymore. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon, and I don't know if that's going to keep growing or if it was just an isolated one-off event, but yeah. <laughs> I, I can see it, uh, a lot of the Progress guys who I go to every Progress show are probably less likely to go to every Rev Pro show as well, and I think it was the, there's, there were certain guys on this card that were a draw for them, and... I'd say Riddle was probably at the top of that list, so I don't know if that was yeah. specifically why we had so many people there supporting uh, their progress favourites and calling Pete Dunn a cunt, which didn't go over at all well with the, <laughs> with some of the more uh, like family orientated fans that were in attendance. There's always been that that thing about Rev Pro where I'm never quite sure what I'm allowed to get away with saying because there's kids in the audience. Yeah, and like with progress, it's very it's adult only. Like you have to be fourteen yeah, I think, to even get into the venue. But the so. language is encouraged there, so yeah. Like <laughs> Jim Smallman says, "Fucking it, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> every, a big every bit." And yeah. um, there are people who who went to that Red Pro show that were not fond of the language that was being used, which I, yeah. is a complaint that I heard. And I'm always like, I'm always thinking whether I I should be saying these things or not when I'm yelling <laughs> abuse, but um. At the end of the day, these kids have heard this language before. This is nothing new. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Josh Bowden was flipping middle fingers to everyone in the first match, so that... <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'm not sure if it's an argument that there's such a thing as a family-friendly uh, show and, and whether I'd even want to go to one that well, specifically I mean, targets re family. Wrestling is violent, don't you know? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, you, you get I don't these... know if any wrestling is particularly family-friendly. Oh, you... I go to shows that are very family orientated sometimes. Oh uh, yeah, and, I mean, and it's mostly yeah. families in attendance, and the atmosphere at those shows is completely different to um, any of the promotions that I usually enjoy going to. And sometimes it's fine, and sometimes it just isn't because it's they target the kids, so it's mm. and it's like the the matches built around low blows and comedy stuff, and it's. It's all for the the children in attendance, so they can understand what's going on. There's no complex uh, storylines involved, and yeah, I I just prefer this. I, I think it was important that um, we at least talked about it because it has been so buzzworthy, and it provides a good link into the progress show. Yes, um, it does. that ran the week before, first time in Birmingham, chapter forty two, was not a strong card going in, no. but um, they pulled out some surprises, Wait. which at least made the show newsworthy. You had specific issues with this show because you couldn't get into it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm going to be incredibly biased in all my opinions on this show because I the ticket thing fucked up, essentially. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I could not get in because the ticket was never sent to me. Um, but that's all water under the bridge now. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed um, some of the matches on this show and others 
less so. We'll get to it as we go through it match okay. by match. It, uh, as a live experience, it was significantly better than it came across on, on VOD, as you can understand with the the surprise elements and um, and just progress in general is, is much better to go to it live because of the atmosphere. And the atmosphere was certainly very good in Birmingham for their first show. I think Jim was thrilled, uh, like he was in Manchester, that the uh, the crowd reacted so strongly to everything right from the start. Uh, it, is, it is a real pity, though, that they couldn't get the like the cornerstones of, of, uh, of Progress's um, uh, roster in the Midlands. Like Those guys were not on this show. That's British Strong yeah. style. I think if they had been on this show, it would have been very important come the end of the year. That is originally why we were so interested in yeah, um, yeah. the Birmingham show. Yeah, we were fired up for none it. None of the three in there was very disappointing. Yeah, uh, well, it is what it is. I mean, that's yeah. they, they ran the tournament when they ran the tournament. and There you go. Um, they did try and make amends for this uh, WWE, who are not traditionally known for being nice to people, but uh, basically they... They gave Progress a couple of low knees for the for the evening. Um, uh, Finn Balor came out for the opening segment, uh, which is a game of musical chairs. This was fantastically surreal. Um, I think it might be the one of the strangest um, segments I've, I've seen at a live show ever, and that's coming like the week after I watched a fan win a title. So, uh, yeah, it, it was very weird. And Finn Balor lost as well. <laughs> Didn't even get in the final two. I couldn't skip this fast enough. <laughs> no. Could could not give less of a fuck about Finn Balor playing musical chairs. Sorry. <laughs> I think it was more of a thing for the live crowd. Yeah. yeah. I, I enjoyed it. At, at least proved um, to the live crowd that they weren't going to get an utter crap card that they may otherwise have thought they would be get like it showcased immediately that this show would have some surprises up its sleeve so in that respect it worked but skip <laughs> <laughs> okay um so the first actual match um on the show was the london rights against uh ring uh this was a really strong opener i thought yeah, <laughs> Ring Camp coming out to our music was uh, that popped me. Um, Would <laughs> <laughs> uh, you see yourself more as a Volta or um, Axel Data? Oh, I'm definitely Volta. Yeah, uh, I, I guess that makes Rob uh, Christian Michael Jacoby. <laughs> I like him too. I like him too. He said nice things about us all on on Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ring Camp for great. Um, Axel Data Jr. being a heel is. Far preferable to um, super heroic John Cena babyface and Volta's Volta. We we've already given him a lot of love last year, and I'm glad he's back in progress. And they had really good chemistry with London Riot. So yeah, Volta especially. I, Axel did fine with um, the work that he did in this match, but uh, the stuff with the Volta was doing, throwing them around, and just I love the uh, this is peak. Big lads wrestling. This is this is what we wanted from from that Atlas tournament in the first place. Was the you know Walter and London Wrights just kind of smashing into each other? That yeah, probably didn't get enough of it. Uh, I thought you had really good chemistry with uh, with both the other guys, uh, especially Rob Lynch. Um, 
really enjoyed the finish where he just kind of uh, just hauled uh, Rob over and just chugged him out. Oh, I love the Sakuratoshi. It's probably my favourite move in all of wrestling. Yeah, we couldn't, um... couldn't really get that because he got... He, Kind of got the takedown and it, but it was into the ropes, so he had to. Yeah, the ring was too small for it to properly work. But it was every every time a Sakuratoshi happens, I shout Sakuratoshi because it's amazing and what a move, (laughs) and I love that Volta does it. And yeah, just the attitude of Ring Camp, uh, it's fantastic. Like you can see why they do what they do, and they explained it very well in a promo that went up today on Progress's YouTube channel like very explicitly explaining what they wanted out of wrestling um and hated the London riots because they're showmen they're dr- drunk showmen i believe was the quote and um they sort wrestlers into three categories three one one category who they respect and have time for like timothy thatcher <laughs> <laughs> um which is a great heel move for me personally um he is in ring camp so. yeah 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 <laughs> Second category that they just say Guten Tag to and nothing more. And third category that they despise, like the London riots. So they've got a clear mission statement to eliminate the London riots. And that should be an excellent program on similar lines of the War Machine riots program. Right, the riots have been an underrated part of these progress shows as of late because they always have a good match. Yeah. And you, you never think of them as like super workers, but like well, I, the consistency of their good to great matches. I'm pretty is sure I mentioned the tag team of the year at the end of uh, uh, 2016 and mm. got dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I that's because really I thought um, there were other tag teams who were more deserving. But I think I've come around to the riots now. Yeah, I think. For consistency, I think they really are a top, so- a top um, yeah. tag team. Um, before we move on, I'd forgot to mention uh, commentary. Um, Matt Richards uh, made his yes. uh, progress debut. Uh, what did you make of him? I, I really enjoyed him. Um, I thought he and Cal and Leslie worked pretty well. Um, I like Matt because he was just very down to earth, I guess. He wasn't shouting and screaming over every little thing. He was just watching the matches and commenting on them. <laughs> um, I like that. It was it was more laid back commentary, I guess, than what we used to in progress, where they do sometimes overreg it a bit. Yeah, I guess that's I, to be expected I, when you have an actor and a wrestler doing it. Yeah, I do like um, I do like Glenn Joseph. I think he does uh, add quite a lot to to commentary because he gets very excited, mm. and I do like a, a color guy who gets excited. But um, yeah, and I thought Callum and uh, Matt work well together. Um, the there's not a lot of, of really good commentators out there, and it takes time to kind of work towards that. Callum's getting sneaky good, though. He's gotten yeah. really comfortable. <laughs> I'm not just saying that because he's been on the podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, he has a lot of experience doing commentary for esports, so he can just slide that in. Yeah, he just the wrestling, and he's very yeah, he's, he's getting a lot better at the wrestling commentating as well. When he started off, maybe he was a bit too fun facty. But now he he lets the match breathe a little bit more. Yeah, I, he was trying very hard to to start with because um, he felt the need to to bring all the in the history uh, of the 
uh, yeah. feuds and like all the matches and like detail and stuff when it happened, which is um, it's kind of the criticism of Mara Ronaldo as he, he brings in too much information. Um, whereas now he's kind of just kind of letting things flow, and I think he's doing a real good job. Uh, Matt, yeah, for his first time, I thought did pretty good. So I think we can move on from there. Um, I'm guessing you probably didn't like the next match, so I'm just going to say something about it before you do. Uh, <laughs> this was the Sebastian match uh, against Jack Sexsmith. I always like Jack. Um, I never have any problems with the way that he works or the, the way that his character is. Um, Sebastian, I thought, worked probably the best singles match I've seen from him in progress. Um, that's not a very high bar, but it looked like he was trying, which was an improvement. There's not enough time in the day to watch Sebastian anymore. <laughs> he's not very good. No, he's not. And he, I don't want to see him get beaten up. I just want to not see him. I want him to not come back <laughs> there, there were signs um, in this match where he was actually making an effort so it, at least that's that's kind of worthy of a little bit of praise that I actually thought it was okay as usually I think his matches just suck so this one was okay he's also got a hell of a paunch now like <laughs> I'm, I'm not feeling that paunch like I feel wrestlers that look like, like he's going for like the pretty boy dick kind of thing yeah he's too heavy for that he he shouldn't have a paunch. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not way. a good look. Um, yeah, I'm I'm annoyed that they've pushed Jack Sexsmith into this after the tables match when they could have moved him into something a little more, while retaining his charisma and his personality. They could have moved him into something more serious, and now they've just lumped him in with um, uh, the did, other Projo comedy guys. He did win here, so that that's the end of that. You, you would think. Um, but he won with a condom on his hand, so... <laughs> <laughs> He's always going to win with a condom on his hand unless he's finished. Um, yeah, so hopefully he gets a chance to do something different. So I would like to see Jack um, yeah. just wrestle Get him away people. from Sebastian as soon as possible. <laughs> and get everyone away from Sebastian and then ship him away to OVW. They do, <laughs> they do have to do the, the Sebastian-Eva feud and finish that off. Presumably I... Eva will just end up belting him and That'll be the end of that. I read something on Voices Wrestling Forums uh, in the progress page. Go look for it. I can't remember who wrote it, but yeah. <laughs> Someone made a very astute point that people aren't getting into this angle because they're waiting for the other shoe to drop on it. Yeah. Because there's something not quite right with the way everyone's behaving, and there's going to be something going on that will be explained at us. Yeah, there's, there's either like another wrinkle where something else will be added to the uh, storyline to make it continue or Eva will just get sick of, of Sebastian's shit and punch him in the mouth. Um, I would rather have the latter, I suspect. It's probably the former. I, I, I just can't get into angles where the wrestling is almost pointless compared to the the, the drama going on outside Secondary of the ring. Secondary um, yeah. the word you're looking for there, I think. It's yeah. Uh, uh, well, let's let's move I, on. I think we've, if I think you're we've into it, then you're into it. Enough. <laughs> um, next match was another surprise with uh, Jimmy Havoc um, pointing out that he'd seen someone backstage that he'd never wrestled before, and out came Tommy End, which is a very pleasant surprise. 
yeah, um, fairly big surprise. Um, I think that <laughs> I think it was you who said there was going to be a, um, an NXT guy yep. coming out for a surprise in this. Um, yeah, you were just about right. <laughs> um, yeah, this match. Yeah, I sent you a message I, I see... and I sent you a DM saying like, "This is my call." Um, somebody under WWE contract will be uh, wrestling on the show. Yeah, I think he said challenging for the Atlas title. Though, so I, I did. That was um, yeah. <laughs> I kind of got the two mixed up, but because um, I kind of knew about Riddle, but I didn't realize he was going to be yeah. Atlas title. But yeah, um, this match was fairly basic. I assume it went over a lot better live, but knowing that Tommy End was going to come out and it was going to be Tommy End, Jimmy Havoc, um, yeah, it was just a match. Yeah, it was it was a sprint. Uh, Tommy looked good, um, and they just finished it up quick, and off he went in the car to get to uh, Blackpool for his match <laughs> later on. So, uh... have been a little bit disappointed with Jimmy Havoc since returning. His character is not working for me at all. Um, like it hasn't I, landed with me at all. I think he did a baby face. better work character-wise over the last couple of shows with his promos. He's kind of been slightly more apologetic but in a, still retaining the character if you know what i mean um but like yeah he is missing something and i'm not really sure what it is but yeah and I, also his matches into... haven't been as good he hasn't i wouldn't say he's had a good match since coming back and yeah i'm a little bit worried about I like that the, if... i love the triple threat but you don't like triple threats do you that's the yeah the one with uh <laughs> skull and haskins i thought that was a really good match but then he wasn't in it an awful lot that was more on more on mark haskins well i thought i thought mark haskins looked better than havoc in that match with an injured neck and didn't take any bumps for the entire thing and still looked better than havoc so eh, i'm a little bit worried about that uh, is are his main event matches going to be any good? You say that like I like the Jimmy Havoc uh, Marty Skull match, the um, No DQ one. I like that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was that had smoke and mirrors. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, you know yeah I mean. but you can't just say oh nothing's good <laughs> without like saying well this was actually good even if it wasn't. I'm, good I'm allowed to be grumpy about this show. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, but yeah, this match was okay. It was just kind of a something to pop the live crowd and then we moved yeah. on. Um oh this next match. <laughs> um I I love a bit of women's wrestling. I I do. Uh I'm I'm all for there being women's matches on shows uh as long as the quality is there. Mm. And I have seen perfectly good matches from Alex Windsor before. And I've seen good matches from Livy Grace before under her uh, alter ego, uh, Tennessee Honey. But they had this natural progression series four match that was, well, it was not very good. That's actually quite polite. It, it was shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's a perfectly fair statement. <laughs> um, I don't know, maybe Livy isn't as comfortable working outside of the Tennessee Honey gimmick, but yeah, this match did not click at all. It was very botchy. Many botches, many botches, and it went way too long, I would say. It went over 10 minutes, I think, or it felt like that anyway. It felt long, yeah. I, I went to the bar after the first botch, um, then I went to the toilet, 
and <laughs> came back when I had a chat with Galazzo Dan about how bad I thought the match was and uh, said hello to some of the lads that were over that side of the building and more back to where I was standing and it was still going on so yeah so I would say probably more than 10 minutes when Havoc end only got seven and that felt like a pretty good amount of time for that um this probably should have been shorter and less ambitious they were trying stuff like lifting each other up above each other's heads yeah it's just kind of they like... tried things that they probably weren't comfortable with um i i can't even know what to call the spots because it was um the one spot had like uh, alex got livy up on her shoulders but then she lost her balance and, and that happened twice yeah it did this is the first time um yeah so like she's supposed to come off into an arm drag but then alex kind of landed the wrong way so it didn't look like a arm drag at all it was uh yeah it was really really bad um and the other one i can't i don't even know how to explain it but she was up on her shoulders again and, and alex lost the balance and it just collapsed mm. yeah it was uh, really yeah bad. just no chemistry between these two and yeah not very good um Generally, this natural progression series has been pretty good, but they've had top talents like Nixon Newell and Tony Storm involved, and Ginny, who will feel very comfortable in the ring, and like a top tier uh, women's wrestlers in the country. I wouldn't say either of these two are that, on that it, level. It takes and... time to get to that level. It takes time, it takes experience, and you need to have these matches to improve. Um, they were lucky they had this match in front of a very forgiving crowd. Because the crowd did not get on their case at all, really. I think there was a, a, a brief uh, yell of botchamania after like the second big botch, but they were really polite. They were really nice mm. to them. You, you could have this match in front of a different crowd, and they would just shit all over it. Yeah, <laughs> go to the bar and don't shit all over matches. Just <laughs> yeah. have a drink. Go to the toilet. Yeah, I was chat chat with Galazzo Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I didn't boo or anything. I just went, yeah, this isn't very good. It's, yeah. uh... If Livy ever comes back to progress, come as Tennessee Honey, I think, because she's a lot more comfortable and more interesting in that role, whereas here she was just just a, a girl, I guess, <laughs> but just a J G A G J A G, just a guy, just a girl. Just a girl. She was just there. And Alex Windsor, I definitely like her new haircut, um, makes her look very distinctive. Um, so she's got the look down. Um, and she's, like you say, she's had good matches in progress before and elsewhere before. Didn't click here at all, though. No. Uh, it's just a bad day at the office for, for these two. Um, and it's very rare that we have a match that's this bad to talk about. So that's kind of nice in a way that, uh, that this rarely happens. But when it does, you have to feel bad for them because it, on these cards, these like modern cards where everything's kind of good, at least, then um, it really stands out. And yeah, this is this is bad. Sorry, ladies. Um, shall we move on? Yep. Okay. Um, next match on the card was a South Pacific Power uh, trio or trip. Where you look at it um, against the the origin. Brackets banter edition. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get the brackets in there. Um, this was fun. I, oh yeah, I like uh, I like fun matches. 
the band tradition uh i'm definitely enjoying them um <laughs> I've, I've spent an hour talking about how i hate fun and want everything to be legit in sports but um then, like yeah i think as long as as long as the team is actively trying to win the match i'm good like they can have as much fun as they want <laughs> and these two are excellent at I... the comedy style while also looking badass and looking like they could beat up the power trip i've got a hot take here oh my hot take is that travis banks is the funniest man in british wrestling <laughs> i i think he has a strong claim yeah, and it's every, every he's so dry and deadpan and but like <laughs> all of his comedy stuff is hilarious and everything he does he attaches a facial expression to it and he has just the most expressive face it's brilliant and you got the stuff that he was doing here uh, like all the stuff that he does comedy with with the power trip is is great if you haven't seen him in uh, the anti-fun police you're kind of missing out on his best work mm. but he kind of he showed bits of that here um a little bit of heel car you need you need a heel who looks embarrassed <laughs> to, to make the comedy yeah. work like if the heel is just like eh, whatever then it's not as funny travis banks is so expressive when it comes to like his heel work he he just owns it i would say all three of the power trip um yeah dali well, is very good as well they get excellent comeuppance yeah <laughs> Which used to be an origin thing. The origin used to do that all the time. The four of them, they used to get their comeuppance every single second of the match. And now it's the power trip who have sort of taken over that mantle of embarrassed heels. Well, the origin are basically faces now because yeah, they're not yeah, yeah, using yeah. the two heels. <laughs> they're only using Mastiff and Ligero, so they're faces. And it'd be interesting to see what happens when like the team is back together because they, what what they're going to behave like. I sense a turn is coming. I just don't know who for. Can you imagine Zach Gibson joining the banter edition? <laughs> Oddly, I could. <laughs> I think it could happen. It, it'd be weird. Potentially. It would be very weird, but I could see it happen. I couldn't see Nathan Cruz doing it. No, but... he's a prick. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird. Yeah, when I... we were discussing them breaking up, well, the one that I was talking about possibly turning... Uh, face with Nathan Cruz, and he's now he's the one guy that I look at and go like, nah, can't do that. Then he's, uh, he isn't under contract anyway, so they should probably use him in, in some way. Uh, as regards to the match itself, I, yeah, I thought it was probably the third best match on this show, behind the opening match and the last match. Um, yes. Lots of good action. I in, very much enjoy the thumbs up tag. <laughs> and I thought Mastiff looked really good here. I think he's really thriving in the banter edition. Um, like he's he's getting in his power moves and his his wrestling spots, mixing it in really well with the comedy spots. Um, I think maybe a bit of El Ligero's rubbed off on him in that regard. Uh, so yeah, definitely want to see more of the banter edition. They they provide something a bit different. They're funny, but they're also great wrestlers so <laughs> it works really well you know what my favorite spot in this match was where they've got tk cooper and dahlia black uh like hugging in the middle of the ring and the garo uh kind of crawls between tk's legs grabs dahlia's leg and kicks tk in the nuts with it mm. 
How did she not every... notice that? <laughs> <laughs> every single time Dahlia or TK beats up the other one, it, we just edge a little bit closer to the turn, whatever the turn will be, whoever turns on who. But it's... I don't know. <laughs> when that finally happens, the roof is going to blow off the building. We've been saying that about the origin for ever. And it's, it's still <laughs> ongoing. They're still technically a unit, uh, even though two of them have turned face. Um, so, yeah, I, I, guess this I is, think they'll drag it out. Should I guess this is shoe on the shoe about to drop on the other foot booking that I was complaining about earlier, but the difference here is the matches are good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As long as, as long as the work is good, then the, the journey can be a long one. Yeah. Whereas Sebastian, I'm kind of like, just let's wrap it up. <laughs> let's go home. Just pull that plaster off. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that, I think you're right. I think that's probably the third best uh, match on the on the card. Um, the next one is Rockstar Spud against Paul Robinson. Um, yeah, what did you think of this? Um, oh, I enjoyed seeing Rockstar Spud a bit again, or just Spud as it is now. Um, it's been a while. <laughs> and he seemed genuinely up for this match. Um but the story they were working around and the fact that it was going to be a DQ finish, yeah, <laughs> kind of crushed the match a little bit. Um, I'll be interested to see if Spud sticks around, where he goes from next, but this felt just like a reintroduction for him and, and a nothing match going with it. Yeah, I didn't like it at all. Um, I really like Robinson's character. Like he's he's one of the better heels that they've got. Um, he's he's very good at what he does. Um, but Spud doesn't do anything for me. He just doesn't. I mean, like, what did he do in this match? He came out and at heat for the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, in this match he was not very good. But even in TNA, he's had good matches. Um, the EC3 match for one. Um, he can de he can definitely have good matches and heated matches. It just wasn't there. I'm also worried about Paul Robinson and his extended absence, and I'm worried that people have lost the heat, like the bile and the hatred they had for him. Because it was gent like the first I remember the first ever progress show I went to. He got pelted with socks. The entire crowd was doing the stand backwards, doing the middle fingers thing, and it it, it didn't come across that way. Two years later, here I f I feel like they may have missed the boat on Robinson a little bit. Yeah, I think it's a case of what do they do with him after they'd had him, you know, come up short with a title match. Um, yeah. Sort of where do you, where do you go from there? And they kind of put him in mid card for a, a couple of matches and then stop using him. So maybe they just felt like he they they'd played out what they could do with the character at that point, but. Um, yeah, it, it'll take some building back up to get to the, the same level, certainly. I, I think, uh, basically, he's kind of limited with what he can do. I can't see him ever holding the title. No, but he was such a threat to do so, and the Osprey match gets better in my mind every time I think about it. That was... I, I, I kind of wanted to say a little bit, but that was during Progress's... I don't want to say golden years or <laughs> golden months, but that stretch from Super Strong Style, the, the first one, in 2015, through to that Osprey-Robinson match was just a string of excellent shows, and I don't know if they're ever going to get back to that level again. I don't want to get all morbid on you, but <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> those shows were 
peak progress and I don't know. This show, it felt with all the WWE. That's that is the problem though. And... I think if they hadn't have lost uh like Pete Dunn, Trent Seven, Tyler Bate from this show, this could have had that kind of atmosphere to it. Because you look at everything yeah, else yeah, that was yeah. on the card. It was it was a really strong card. It would have been stronger with them on it, but I'm just worried with all the losses of stars and the fact that Skill and Osprey um won't be there all the time. <laughs> I'm worried that we're never gonna get back to that level again. This show as a whole felt very twee and like, ooh, WWE guys, isn't that fun? And while there were good matches on here, and matches I got into, it didn't feel the same as, like, I didn't feel the emotional connection I had back in the summer of 2015. So, yeah, just a little personal worry of mine, but, um, Things are going to get worse before they get better. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just... The the ticket thing, I guess you could say, is a bias. The fact that, um, like, I'm just kind of sick of reviewing these things and I'm going to move on. I'm going to switch over to Rev Pro for now. Um, uh, it's all just a combination of things, but I'm kind of down on progress at the minute. And that, that emotional connection I had to it in the summer of 2015, uh, it's kind of faded now. <laughs> And I didn't get any of that on this show. So, yeah, I just wanted to get that. Yeah, no, I understand your, your point of view. It's just, um, it, it's tough to maintain that that level. Any any promotion that gets hot, it's real. I mean, you look at New Japan, how they stay like so hot for so long. It's yeah. just, it's ridiculous. It, the bubble's going to burst eventually, but at the moment, it's just this ridiculous streak that they're on. Um, for any British company who has far less uh, uh, financial clout than than a company like New Japan, it's really hard to do. It's really Definitely. hard to do when you do have the money. I mean, you look at uh, WWE; I think they had a pretty good twenty sixteen. But you could argue before that they they'd had you know a, a pretty poor run going into twenty sixteen. Yeah, and with the fact that progress have to book around all these contracts and yeah <laughs> they they have to deal with outside factors i'm, I'm sure they plan long in advance and when something changes uh about an angle that's beyond your control it's really hard to put that those pieces back together again but yeah i i guess it's perhaps nostalgia talking but um <laughs> we may never get that quality back with the contract stuff and like how territory it's all going to become now. God, I'm sounding really doom and gloomy right um, now. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to say what's going to happen with these with these contracts. Obviously, um, there's been incidents where they've been pulled off shows, uh, particularly Pete Dunne, uh, Trent Seven, Tyler. Um, with the success that they've had, it's kind of inevitable. Um, now they're being used um, for WWE events. So that means that they can't fulfill prior obligations, even with companies that WWE's on friendly terms with. Um, kind of sucks for the the companies that are planned in advance, like Progress had. So, you know, that now they're losing matches that they spent months preparing for, and it's not easy to replace that with another marquee match at the blue, especially if. Um, there's a, a grab for talent and everyone's trying to use the same guys, lots of shows. 
we touched on this um oh was it last january where we were talking about the the sheer number of shows that that um uh icw were running and there was yeah. a concern that there was going to be a conflict of interest there but it's not so much that that's caused the problem it's you've got wwe come wading in you've got world of sport you've got the flow slam <laughs> deal which nobody really knows what the hell's going on with that and now it's hard to say who's going to turn up anyway yeah i don't know i'm a little bit worried um i'm sure the qualities of the shows will still be good but I feel like that emotional connection, particularly to progress, has just kind of um, not vanished, but just depleted a bit recently. Yeah, <laughs> I just yeah, I just wanted to say. Yeah, I'm, we'll see what happens. <laughs> main event time. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a bit of a bit of a tangent. Uh, yeah, main event uh, Atlas Championship. For a while, we've been talking about these uh, Rampage Brown Open challenges, and that eventually something big was going to happen this was it this was the big thing i kind of you kind of tipped off the fact that this was like booked as the main event like it was the first match on the their listed card on their website so you knew sort of you weren't going to get mikey whiplash <laughs> you're going to get something Bones big or dave mastiff it was going to be a big deal and matt riddle very big deal we've talked about matt riddle already <laughs> up and down this podcast um so we can probably just talk about the match straight up. Um, obviously, um, Riddle being loved made this a very different atmosphere, and Brown was almost the heel here. Um, what do you think of the match from a life perspective? Um, well, I thought it was the best match on the show. Um, it's kind of a low bar. The, obviously, the opener was pretty good. Um, I, I think we, we kind of go to these shows now thinking, oh, we're going to have a like at least one match that's going to, you know, crack four stars and be, you know, up in the match of the year consideration. But mm. um, and it's almost a disappointment when that doesn't happen. But um, yeah, it was it was a good main event. Um, I I enjoyed the um, uh, the striking and the the kind of hard hitting nature of the match. It kind of it showcased a, a different side of both guys like rampage kind of got to bully uh matt a bit more than he would against the other big dudes he's been working against because they've been similar sizes that in here he had a, a size advantage yeah um and it showed that riddle was capable of working with a, a larger opponent and uh dominating him so it was, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was an interesting dynamic definitely yeah um i've never really seen riddle work a guy like rampage brown like he's usually against um kind of guys his size or smaller um and he's just like jumping out of the gym against them whereas here it was kind of more ground and pound and drag it out and i think the finish of riddle just simply hitting him on the ground until rampage was out um obviously very mma style but also kind of fit the theme of the match which was that it wasn't as like it wasn't an athletic showcase as matt riddle matches usually are it was pretty like violent and like ground and poundy uh my favorite spot in the match was when uh riddle is uh kicking rampage and he's on the mat and he kind of hurts his own foot <laughs> from kicking somebody of, uh, of rampage's size <laughs> oh that was yeah. a nice touch uh, someone shouted like um should have worn boots well, yeah. <laughs> 
perhaps uh, he regrets his no boot. Mm, he could even get shitty little ones. <laughs> I mean, I hear Dan Maloney has a lot to sell. But... Yeah. Um, I asked him about like um, uh, what it was like uh, being in like a hard-hitting match. And what he said was, I just thought it was quite interesting. He said that um, um, it doesn't matter how hard you hit as long as you expect to be hit. He said, as long as he is prepared to be hit, he's fine yeah. in, in dealing with it. Um, and that kind of works from an, an MMA perspective as well. If you know you're going to get hit, it's a lot easier to uh, both mentally and physically prepare for it. And working in a, a sh- like a, a worked environment, like he's he's fine with, with all of this. Definitely. I that That is an interesting perspective to take into wrestling, having dozens of times in MMA um, to have that sort of mentality that yeah, <laughs> I'm going to get uh, fucking beat up, but it's going to be okay um, yeah, He wants people to that, bring that it to him, so it's definitely changes up his matches and makes them that little bit more interesting Yeah, I'd, he's a special guy though, I'd like, <laughs> just is yeah. special talent, I mean we said this the first time he was over, it was just look at him. Look, look at what he's. Look at the instant connection that he has. The charisma that he has when he walks into a building. You just look at that guy. <laughs> he's gonna be great. Uh, he's for me. He's kind of stepped into that that lead indie star role. Which two years ago it was AJ Styles. Last year it was Chris Hero. I think this year it's Matt Riddle. Great point. <laughs> I think we definitely see him as that now. And look what happened to those guys. I think it's yeah. a case of you get that year of, of being the top guy and then in comes Vince. Sign on the dotted line. But if the spot was there to be taken and somebody had to step up, and I certainly think he's the guy. Yeah. And I'm glad that he's done it at least partially through Britress. <laughs> yeah. It proves that this is the scene to be in. Yeah, it does help that um, like the best wrestlers in the world come and wrestle here. Um, it helps the scene because uh, we only have a, like a, a finite number of uh, wrestlers here, and with WWE sniffing around sixteen of them, it kind of makes it difficult to uh, uh, you know generate cards, and especially with them having signed so many already with. Uh, uh, the likes of uh, Damo and Tommy and uh, Noam Dar leaving. Uh, yeah, the talent pool's getting getting smaller. I appreciate that there are wrestlers coming through, and there's there's very talented guys that that are working out there that we've we've barely scraped the surface of. Uh, C J Banks, for example. So we've we've barely touched on him. Uh, I think he's been mentioned on one podcast that we've done out of like thirty odd. The talent's out there. It's just a case of. How are you going to utilize it? So, yeah. Well, <laughs> I feel like I end every podcast by saying this, but it's going to be a very interesting year going forward. <laughs> yeah, always. And like we're only in January, and already like so much crazy and weird Jan- and harrowing been... shit has happened <laughs> <It's been> a... <laughs> in regards to contracts and matches, and just yeah, it's an interesting time. It's been a ridiculous month. Completely yeah, ridiculous this month. I mean, I feel like I say that every month. <laughs> uh. this, uh, this one has just seemed to be ridiculous. Um, I, I think the 
uh, I'm going to throw in a, a post Rev Pro story here. Um, so we're outside in the, uh, the Dundee Arms, and I see a familiar face walking along uh, the the corridor towards the, the like the beer garden. Door opens, and a load of vape, um, uh, vaping cloud kind of comes out the door, mm. and through it walks Trent Seven. Um, humming Edge's entrance music and doing the pose. Um, <laughs> I, I just It's just a ridiculous world that we live in. <laughs> it really is. He went on to regale us with uh, tales of how he regularly rings Triple H and Vince McMahon, <laughs> which I, I don't believe for a minute, and reenacted yeah. the, uh, the, the, the phone conversations. But yeah. He, so for probably he's a for funny like guy. the third for the third time out of four podcasts in the last month, we're going to end by saying Matt Riddle is a great man. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, he is. Uh, also, by just in case you didn't stuff. know already, <laughs> yes, plugging stuff. Um, if you haven't already been there, and even if you had, you should go again. Uh, Reviewreviews.com is where you go for all the stuff that I write now. Um, I still contribute to the websites, but basically everything goes there. And this is my website, so it's really like updated like as soon as I've written it. So speedy posts. Um, and dolly. And yeah, um keep reading the FLW newsletter. Um my Euronotes are in it. And also British Audio Wrestling on Live Audio Wrestling is going monthly now, so check that out when it drops. Uh that's my other podcast. I'm cheating on this one. Uh, <laughs> Doubling up the Britterest. Okay, and on that note, we're out. Um, go over to voiceswrestling.com if you are not listening to the podcast on the website. Uh, the top 100 matches of 2016 are uh, currently being um, tabulated. I guess the by the time this drops, they'll probably all be on the website. Uh, some really interesting reading in there, and some uh, some Brit rest matches uh, are involved. Apollo versus Carbide, Robot Wars, <laughs> one point. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, magnificent uh, trolling. Voicesofwrestling dot com uh, forward slash Amazon. Go buy stuff from Amazon. Voices of Wrestling gets a bit of a kickback from it. Helps fund the site. Unless you live in the UK, and then you can't do that because it doesn't work. Um, and on that note, uh, we're out of here. Here it comes again lunch will it be the same old same old or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new jamaican jerk turkey sub at firehouse subs freshly sliced smoked turkey breast craveably sweet mustard sauce and a hint of caribbean seasoning just 555 for a medium save time order the new jamaican jerk turkey sub on the firehouse subs app firehouse subs enjoy more subs save more lives participating locations limited time only plus tax prices may vary for delivery